So when I say I want to win the hearts and minds of your organization, how do I do that, right? What drives you? What's your DNA? What's your culture? How best do we approach that, right? They love it, right? They know that you're caring about them. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where you'll hear leaders of partner programs talk about their greatest challenges and most successful solutions. And now your host, Louis Gadima, the president of Revenue and Associates. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where we talk with leaders in software partner programs to learn about what's working today. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this that will help others learn about the podcast too. Today, I'm talking with Balaji Subramanian, Vice President of Global Alliances and Channel Sales at ServiceMax. Previously, Balaji has held senior channel roles at Informatica, Adobe, and Cisco. Balaji, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for uh, having me here today, Lewis. Yeah, it's early morning for you. I'm on the East Coast, but... Uh, uh, thank you for doing this so early. Oh, no problem at all. I'm a, I'm an early riser, and I, in fact, I find most of my energy being in the morning rather than later in the day. So this is perfect. So please fill us in a bit more with a bit more detail on your career path. What brought you to your focus on the channel? What do you like about working on the channel? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an has been an interesting. Uh, career path. Uh, I actually, my, my educational background and my first uh, couple of roles were actually in finance. So I have a bachelor's in finance and a master's in economics, and that's how I started out my career. The good news about that is that uh, that particular background has helped me throughout my career, including today, uh, as I find myself in a, in a channel role. But um, because of my background in finance and because of uh, being able to work with, um, you know, P&Ls and understanding of P&L and uh, my nature being somewhat quantitative also, I moved into really supporting uh, sales and sales operations, sales planning, strategy planning with sales and, and business planning after that, uh, which uh, eventually led me to a role in, in the channel. And it actually started out, I would say, probably more seriously back at uh, Adobe. At that point in time, we were still, Adobe was still a licensing company, not quite a subscription company. And I remember our worldwide uh, EVP of sales coming to my manager and I and said, you know, we have these partner programs sort of all over the world, sprinkled around all over the world, but it's not really one program. There's no governance behind it. There's no cadence behind it. I don't know how to measure our partners. And so that's really kind of what I uh, sort of jumped into. And that led to myself and working with our extended team, creating the Adobe Partner Connection Program, which I think still exists today. And still, at that time, actually a licensing company. So we designed, architected, deployed it uh, with my teammates around the world, country by country, region by region. And then a year or two later, we became a subscription company. Adobe was one of the first companies, real major software companies, to move over to the subscription world, which really made us, you know, relook at the program and, and try to understand how best we can continue to motivate our partners, have the right partners, reward them in a meaningful way, and drive their behavior around subscription, 
rather than licensing. And so I went through that whole process once again with that Adobe Partner Connection program, converting it from a licensing focus program to a subscription focus program. Uh, that's what sort of led me to Informatica, uh, where I actually came over uh, from a, on the direct side. I was actually chief of staff and uh, for our cloud sales team because the company wanted to, again, move over to the cloud, move over to subscription. And my experience at Adobe, I think, uh, was uh, was attractive to them. So that's why I joined them on the direct side, though. I ended up actually running their, our cloud sales team on the direct side for a couple of years and integrating it back into sort of the mainstream Informatica business. And then the company asked me, Informatica asked me, saying, hey, same kind of question as I was asked at Adobe. You know, we don't really have a full total partner program. Uh, we want to do more with our partners. We need to be able to grow and scale. We need to have the right partners. And so, again, my teammates and I, we, we, we you know, kind of got together and uh, created a, a new reseller program, which we never had there before, uh, recruited distributors, resellers around the world focused on our global system integrators also uh, and our local system integrators and sort of started to roll that out also. And that's what led me to now to ServiceMax. Uh, same kind of thing, ServiceMax is at a, what I'll call a nascent stage of growth. We're very, very excited uh, with sort of the TAM in front of us, opportunities in front of us. And again, uh, the company recognizes that we need the indirect channel. We need our partners to be able to grow and scale and effectively make our customers successful. So uh, that's a quick uh, overview of sort of where I was and how I started and where I am now. I loved working with partners. I love working with sales. That's sort of, I would say, my sweet spot. Those finance skills that I had, the P&L background, the sales operations background, all of that come into play and help me become uh, a much better channel leader, which I'm grateful for. Yeah, I've had a number of guests who have a, that kind of finance background, and it does seem to be a, a great background wherever they go in business. I was actually surprised. I recently read Phil Knight's memoir about the founding of Nike, and he had a background in accounting also, even though they became this very creative company and one that uh, you know was very product-focused, it, it was a very valuable thing to have. Yes, absolutely. You know, knowing the P&L and sitting across from your CFO and talking about a partner program and the margin that uh, a partner can earn or should earn and, you know, the ROI that we should expect and uh, modeling it and all that uh, is, is very helpful to have that type of background. And it served me well. <laughs> so you uh, mentioned a number of things I want to get to as we talk today when you're talking about your background. But, but first, just briefly about ServiceMax. You provide a field service management and asset service management software. So do you sell primarily to enterprises and large mid-market companies, or do you also sell to smaller companies? Yeah, great question. I would say right now, and in fact, the timing of your question is perfect too, because we're, in, we're entering our Q4 today, actually, November 1st, and uh, we're looking at uh, next year, obviously, from a planning standpoint. But um, right now, I would say the way we... If you could think of that classical triangle, right, then you have strategic enterprise type of accounts up on top and sort of mid-market SMB type of customers down at the bottom. Right now, um, our focus has been on what I'll say the more the enterprise type of accounts, larger accounts. Uh, and it's something that I had to learn uh, a, a key sort of a nomenclature, a KPI that we use here is how many technicians does that customer have, right? 
And okay. so we, we, def- we define an enterprise type of customer that has at least 200 probably technicians, 150, 200 technicians or higher. Many of our deals and many of our opportunities that we're pursuing have, have technicians of even 1,000, 2,000 technicians. So rather large enterprise kind of companies that have a large technician workforce, right? Um, but we've recognized that it's great to have these large deals and, and be able to go after enterprise accounts, but there's a whole host of, to your point, mid-market SMB type of customers who you know, might have 100 technicians, 50 technicians, 75 technicians that, that we're really not serving well. And guess what? Right? That's a great place and a great spot for partners to play a role in. And, and that's really one of the things that I'm looking at right now. I've been at ServiceMax for about five months now and looking at that SMB play and mid-market play and trying to understand what type of packaging, pricing, products should we have, what type of support level should we have, uh, and go after that because we, we want to have that run rate business and we want to be able to serve those customers effectively uh, in the market. So that is something that we're going to be focused on quite a bit and partners are going to play a big role in that as we go into um, uh, next fiscal year for us. Yeah, it is something that I see at a number of companies that the channel is especially important if they really start to go after the SMB market. Uh, because a small number of partners um, or even their own enterprise sales team may be able to be successful in the enterprise space. But when you're talking about tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of SMBs that you're trying to reach globally, you really need something that can expand your reach. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's exactly what we're looking at. It's our coverage model, our capacity model, uh, and how best to uh, to be able to do that properly. What is your global footprint? What continents or what countries, how many countries oh, are you operating in? It's fairly um, global in nature. Clearly, obviously, North America. Um, we even have opportunities down in, in Latin America as we speak. In fact, we're being run through a partner. Clearly in Europe, pretty much all of Europe, Middle East, North Africa and Turkey, we call it, MENAC. And then, of course, uh, Japan, uh, Australia, and I would say some of the uh, Asian countries, uh, ASEAN countries, so called, that we do deals in. So fairly well sort of uh, spread across the world, uh, but naturally most of our business still comes from North America and Europe, but we obviously have growth aspirations that'll continue to take us uh, to different parts of the world. And what's the profile of a ServiceMax partner? What kind of companies are partners? <laughs> Great question. That's something, yeah, I'm, I'm continuing to, to look at. Uh, easy answer uh, right off the top of my head are, are sort of really three types of partners, right? One is your, uh, your typical global system integrator. So uh, I'm talking about partners like Accenture or TCS or Wipgrow or Infosys or Capgemini, uh, people like that, partners like that that we're, we're uh, working with. Um, I have partner managers who are actually covering those types of partners, right? And we're working with them closely uh, because all of them have, you know, sort of this digital transformation effort going on with their respective customers uh, who happen to be uh, many of our customers too. Um, so working with them jointly is very important for us, having a joint business plan, a go-to-market approach. Um, they have field service management practices so identifying those leaders and practice leads uh, has been something that we've been focusing on the last few months. 
and then nurturing and, and developing uh, that relationship. And of course, putting on, on paper a business plan is something that we're doing. The other type of partner is what I'll call our regional system integrator, or maybe even a regional reseller to some extent at times. And, and these are, of course, smaller partners. And these are the ones that I really would love to be able to use to focus uh, on our mid-market uh, type of uh, uh, customer. Um, and so these are you know, local ones and could be in Dubai, uh, could be in Turkey, could be here in North America on the East Coast or the West Coast. Uh, you know, in, in Australia, whatever it might be. And these guys need probably uh, a slightly different type of partner agreement, for example, with us, a different type of business plan, a different type of enablement. Uh, they're smaller. Uh, they need a little bit more help from us for, for on, on certain things. But they could be very nimble and agile and very, very loyal too, which is important and strong advocates for us. So, so I'm actually very excited to kind of go after them and to build up, not a lot, less is more is what I'm saying. And so I don't want to have hundreds of partners, but just, you know, almost a handful of partners, but who can be very uh, strong advocates for us in the market and be very competent and skilled. And then the third type of partner uh, is really that partner who's focused primarily on just services. So, you know, they're skilled and we can give them services work in terms of either subcontracting with us as we deploy a solution into a customer, they can, they can do that type of work. Um, so, but you know, a very important partner for us also, because as you know, we all care about one thing, making sure that our customers are successful, right? One of our taglines and one of our uh, philosophies actually within ServiceMax that our CEO is driving is really being obsessed with our customer, right? And, and so we want partners who are equally obsessed with customers and, and customer success. Um, and so all three sets of partners we're looking at, uh, we're trying to make sure that we're aligned around that and really focus on the customer. Well, you must be doing something right. I, I saw that you were in the upper right quadrant of the Gartner you know, magic quadrant. So you have a terrific solution there. You know, you were saying that when you were at Adobe, your partners had to make that sale on-premise transition to cloud subscription transition. And are you still seeing that happen with ServiceMax partners or are they have they crossed that divide? They have, I would say, primarily crossed that divide. You know, when I was at Adobe, I was, um, what was that? That was probably about seven years ago, right? Eight years ago. And the world was a, was a different place back then, right? And the world was just kind of moving over. We were talking a lot about cloud and moving over. I would say now, that has happened. The partners who are probably still clinging on to, uh, I would say, licensing type of uh, sales are probably fewer. Everybody understands a lot more the subscription model. Um, we are a software subscription company, right? We don't sell any on-prem type of products or solutions. So any partner who works with us obviously has to be comfortable with that. And, and all of them that I've seen so far understand that sort of work within, uh, within that business model. Well, central to success in that business model also is having those add-on services. Usually the partners make much more from their additional services than they do from whatever percentage of the subscription dollars they may get. So is that true for your partners as well? Absolutely. In fact, I always say that the smart partners understand that right very quickly. And that is one thing that uh, I have been always talking to our partners about, even when I was at Informatica, is what I call the 
services drag, right? So for every software dollar sold, you know, how much services will you be getting, right? And the higher that factor is, the better it is for our partners. So for example, here at ServiceMax, you know, I've seen anywhere from two to 10 X of services for every software dollar sold. And that's a very attractive, meaningful sort of uh, feature or attribute, I guess, of our products and solutions and our business model for partners, right? So they understand that that's how they're going to make a lot of their money. That's how they're going to make a lot of their margin. And being able to work with us, with the customer, be able to make sure that that software that is sold could be part of a bigger solution, right? Um, but it, it solves for that business outcome that the customer really wants and the partners right there to be able to deploy it and provide that services after, uh, after the sale. That's the type of partner that we want. That's the top, type of partner that's going to be successful. And we'll be able to make sure that we jointly make sure that that customer is successful and uh, the adoption is high. Because as a subscription company, as you can well imagine, we care about our renewals, right? That's the only way we're going to do well is if we make sure that that first sale, the customer is successful and they're happy and they want to come and renew it. That's how we're going to get our recurring revenue. And so super, super important. So I, we are absolutely looking for partners who understand that and focus on that services. And that's why enablement, and I'm kind of jumping maybe to another topic here, Rose, but enablement of that partner is my number one priority almost, right? Winning the hearts and minds of partners is something that uh, I always say within the hallways of ServiceMax is we have to win the hearts and minds of our partners. And the only way to do that is to make sure they're successful, right? So let's enable them. Let's make them skilled. Let's make them competent, right? And um, make sure that their success then becomes our success. Well, I've heard from other channel leaders that enablement is the hardest thing that they do too. It is. It is. It really is because we do then have to depend upon an extended set of stakeholders within, for example, ServiceMax. So I would say, you know, everyone from our product teams, our R&D teams, our professional services teams, by the way, and obviously um, our own, what I'll call our enablement teams. So, for example, here at ServiceMax, the first three uh, recs that I got and the first three people that I hired are people who um, we've created a little partner success and enablement team. And so I want them really focused on making sure that the partner is successful and enabled uh, effectively. So it is hard, uh, harder, I guess, to some extent, but um, it's fun. <laughs> it can be done. And um, it's great to rally the troops, so to speak, and, and create that partner centricity uh, within a company. And I think that's what the opportunity that we have here at ServiceMax is to be able to do that and really, you know, kind of put in that DNA into our company of being partner centric. This is one of the key things that we need to do. Well, keeping ServiceMax top of mind at the partners obviously is very important. So are there things that you learned at Adobe or at Informatica that you brought over to ServiceMax in terms of uh, staying top of mind that you could share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's funny. Uh, one thing I've learned uh, to answer your question uh, is that partners will always work with our competition, right? We just have to embrace that and accept it. And each of my companies, you know, I'll have, you know, my stakeholders within the company saying, oh my gosh, why is that partner working with our competitor? Right? How, come how come they can only just work with us? And, and I tell them that's really never going to happen, right? Um, let's, just, let's just be open about this and frank about this is that 
they will always want to be able to look at not just us, but our competitors too. And, you know, it's a wise thing for them to do. Our task is to make sure that they work with us more and more and more and work with our competitors less and less and less, right? And make sure, to your point, you know, having us at top of their mind when they get up every morning, they're thinking about service max, right? Which is very important. And so how do you do that? It's really not that hard. It's a little difficult, more difficult to do, but it's not that hard. And what I mean by that is going back to what I said earlier, how do you win the hearts and minds of these people, right? How do you win the hearts and minds of those individuals who sit there within the partner organization that you're working with? And again, now it depends upon the type of partner. So I'll give a good example with our global system integrators. As you know, these guys are huge, they're large, they're just thousands of people, right? And so picking the right group, picking that right practice, understanding how they're organized between client partner leads that are spread across the world who own a P&L and those delivery practice leads who many of them who sit in, in India, right? And understanding the vertical practice leads who are also spread uh, across the company and the world and making sure that you identify them, almost have an org chart uh, put in place uh, that we go after and nurture, nurture them, develop that relationship, provide them valuable information, uh, how you differentiate, differentiate yourself from your competitors, and then most importantly, making sure that they're skilled. And so there's many ways of doing that, of course, is having an accreditation program, a certification program, uh, more importantly, uh, a career. So a lot of these GSIs, you know, they hire lots of people. And when those practitioners come on board, they're trying to figure out, how can I make my career here sitting at Accenture or Deloitte or Wipro or TCS, right? Is it uh, with Cisco? Is it with uh, VMware, right? Uh, is it with Adobe, right? Is it with, with ServiceMax? And we want them to say, yes, you know, by having these skills and understanding how big a TAM we have in front of us, and being able to be skilled and resourced that way, you can actually make a career yourself, even within your own company, focusing on us, real service transformation, right? And so, so that's, that's one thing, right, is to be able to do that. The smaller partners, I mean, like I said, they're nimble and agile. They love this kind of stuff. And the more love that we can provide them, the more attention we can provide them, and the more information that they, we can give to them so they become advocates of us, you know, they'll get up every morning thinking of us, right? Um, and that's what I've seen. I've learned this, right, over the years uh, from my different companies that I've worked at, is to focus on that in a very deliberate, purposeful manner. Uh, again, like I said, make it part of our DNA. And good things happen because we're all people, right? We, we work with people who you like. We work with people who show you love, right? We work with people who, who really care about you. And if you show that in a very deliberate, purposeful manner, I always see people just responding equally well, and they become true loyal advocates of us. So I'm a strong believer in that. So how many partners does ServiceMax have? What, what kind of percentage contribution to revenue is the channel making for ServiceMax? Two questions you asked. The first one is that um, we have our typical GSIs, a handful of them, and like I said, less is more, so I'm trying to trying to really focus on only about three to four um, right now. And then uh, we probably have, I'll say, maybe we're trying to limit to maybe 30 to 40, uh, I would say, regional system integrators or regional type of partners, uh, mostly populated in, in, in Europe and North America, like I said before. 
And then we'll have, I would say, again, probably a handful of what you'll call true just services type of subcontracting type of partners who, who just you know, focus on, on delivery and nothing else. And so it's, you know, we're trying to keep it to a not too big of an ecosystem, but a very strong, competent, um, agile type of ecosystem. In fact, the business plans that I work build with these guys, uh, I'm calling bespoke uh, type of uh, partner plans. And so I don't mind if it's a little different from each other. Obviously, you want some consistency from a partner program standpoint, but you know, I don't mind having it slightly different. So it becomes meaningful for that respective partner, right? Because like at Adobe, we had thousands of partners, right? And so I couldn't do any bespoke partner program. We had to have one partner program that might look different in Japan versus um, North America versus Europe, slight differences, but pretty much the same. Here though, what I'm hoping to do is to have a little bit more of a bespoke type of approach where you know, we can sit down with the partner saying, what is really meaningful for you? How many resources do you have? Like what is more important to you, this or that, right? And be able to do some, some differences there that are meaningful for them. So again, they become very loyal and uh, advocates of us, right? Uh, your second question was um, the percentage of, uh, I think, um, bookings that we get through our partner ecosystem. I'm just putting in, you know, true transparency here, uh, sort of dashboards and the ability to really track that. And one of the things I did when I first joined was because I noticed that it was sort of all over the place in terms of how we track this. And so I've introduced two definitions that we're all adopting. You know, what is an influenced deal or a referred deal from a partner? And what is a sourced deal from a partner? And using those two definitions to really make sure that we track any opportunity coming in. Uh, we get our regional sales VPs approvals to make sure that we're all in alignment, right? Uh, and putting that in place. And so what I see is, you know, as we become, as we mature as, a, as an organization and certainly as a partner organization, that I would expect 30, 40% of our bookings over the next three years to come from our partner ecosystem, right? That's, that's an important KPI. That's something that our board wants, right? obviously our uh, my manager, our chief revenue officer wants, our CEO wants, our CFO wants, uh, is to be able to see that. And so that's really where we've set our goals uh, is to get to that point um, over the next two to three years. Okay. In terms of hitting that goal, is that a matter of recruiting a lot more partners or growing the partners you already have? How do you, how do you think you'll be uh, increasing the contribution of the channel to ServiceMax's revenue over the next few years? Yeah, it's, it's sort of both of what you just said. Clearly, I do need to recruit more partners, right? Uh, especially ones that are focused on that mid-market play. Now, I am dependent upon the company, by the way. I, I, know, I don't know, I forget I might have mentioned, not mentioned this earlier, but I am dependent upon the company to say, okay, how do we, how do we have the right product, maybe a lighter version of our current product um, or platform for the mid-market customer? How do we package that properly? How do we price it properly, et cetera. But I do need to recruit more partners around the world who can focus on that type of um, sales motion and that type of sales play. And then, of course, as you know, GSIs, they care about increasing wallet share within a small set of customers that they focus on, platinum accounts, diamond accounts, whatever each of the GSIs might call them. But they're focusing on 150, 200 accounts at most. And so we want to make sure that we align with whatever ones that are common uh, and make sure that we increase our wallet share 
within those uh, accounts also, right? Um, so the GSIs will play a good role in those. The mid-market type of partners certainly will help us capture new logos. Less is more. So again, I don't want to have a huge ecosystem. The other thing that I'm doing differently that uh, I should probably talk about here is, as you probably have heard, I haven't used the word resell that often in the last few minutes as we've been chatting. I'm still looking at this as a co-sell type of sales motion. There will be certain countries and certain transactions that might be a resell transaction, but I'm still looking at this as wanting to make sure that we're all aligned. The sales, direct sales organization and, and the partner organization are aligned as we go to market together, and uh, it's a more of a co-sell transaction. But I, I, I expect that we will have a reseller program uh, probably within the next six to nine months where we can make it a little bit more attractive for partners to truly resell. But as you know, I want to make sure that those partners who do resell are competent and skilled and they can run the sales motion uh, effectively, right? Uh, and they don't need as much help from us. And that takes a little bit more effort and, and hard work from our part. Uh, I've learned that over the years. And so I'm going slowly into the resale world, but full, full jumping in the co-sale world with GSIs and regional SIs. The other thing I'll point out also is the services. This is an important piece for us, as we talked about earlier. Any partner, GSI, regional SI, obviously our delivery partners, they all care about services revenue. We want those types of partners. And so we are making sure that they understand, we are declaring to them that we are not a services company. We are a software company. So um, we're repeating that to them. So they know that we don't want to compete with them. And in fact, we want them to do more and more services. So I am working with our professional services team. So we do have a PS team here working with them to say, okay, how best do we do this, right? What are the kinds of opportunities should you, the PS team, focus on? Maybe more of the strategic uh, types of accounts uh, that you focus on. But everything else, we pretty much go to a partner from a services standpoint. And not only do they subcontract, but, you know, we actually let them prime the deal, right? And so that is an important business model change that we're going to be putting into effect. And it's a behavioral change even within our company to be able to do that effectively too. So that's something else that, that I'm focusing on. And then, of course, you know, the partner program itself, we want to be industry leading. We want to make sure that it's profitable for our partners to co-sell with us. The behavior that we want from them is, of course, new logos, sourcing deals from us, uh, and then customer adoption, right? Uh, making sure that the customer is successful. And so when I'm looking at my financial incentives on how we should reward our partners, it's really centered around those three things, right? Sourcing deals, new logos, and customer adoption. I'm still trying to figure out what are, what are the right KPIs, what might be the best KPIs uh, to measure that success. That's very valuable what you were saying about defining what's essentially what's theirs and what's yours. Kind of the uh, good fences make good neighbors. Right. Yes, absolutely. That's a good way of doing it, right? Good neighbors, right? They're an extended part of our team. They're an extended part of our community. They're an extended part of our neighborhood, right? And um, we should love them. And uh, in return, they'll love us. Yeah. So the GSIs, the large companies you work with, you know, my area is marketing. And so they no doubt have marketing well in hand, but some of the smaller or mid-sized partners you work with, do you find that they're good at marketing or is that part of the enablement that you have to do for them or with them? Great question. 
Yeah, no, great question. It's something I learned along the way also is that um, your typical um, regional partner is small, right? And they don't have lots of resources, right? They might have a person who's designated, not dedicated, but designated to do marketing stuff, but it's, you know, quarter of their time, right? Half their time, uh, certainly not full time. So for those types of partners, absolutely, we need to be able to work with them and help them from a marketing standpoint, demand gen standpoint, awareness standpoint, those kinds of things we need to do. So we have my, my, my colleagues in partner marketing, right? That's something that we'll be putting together a plan around how best to help these smaller partners. And by the way, <laughs> equally complicated sometimes even to work with GSIs on marketing because as you know, they're, they're fragmented and they're matrix organizations. So something it's difficult to actually work with them also. Uh, but anyway, partner marketing is, is something that uh, is a close, obviously, stakeholder of ours. And uh, we work with them very closely. They're part of our extended team. And we're looking at, okay, how do, we, how do we do this from a campaign standpoint to drive demand? How do we do this from a campaign standpoint to drive awareness? How do we do this from a brand standpoint? Right? I was just in Tokyo uh, a few weeks ago, and one of our partners there said, okay, let's do something together so we can increase the awareness of you and us working together in the market. This was a large GSI, um, which we love to hear. And so one of the first easy things we thought we could do is top leadership, right? So that particular managing director of that GSI who sits there, we're actually doing a blog with him, right? And so we're interviewing him and, you know, about field service and the opportunities and, and things like that and doing a blog. And we'll be publishing that, right? I'm doing the same thing with another partner in, in Germany. And so thought leadership is an important part of marketing, I think. And then you got the tactical things of, of campaigns and things like that also. But really coming back to your original question, those smaller partners do need our help. What I've done before, and again, I had a great colleague at Informatica, our partner marketing lead there. We set up a concierge type of service and uh, we were able to help our partners just take the content, put their logo on it and use that a lot, right? And, and so concierge type of service is something that we probably look at also to, to provide to our uh, partners, uh, especially our smaller partners. Yeah, with some partners, I imagine it's, you can do um, through partner marketing or co-marketing, but other partners that don't have much of a marketing skill, you may just, they're expecting you to do the marketing for them, essentially. Yes, exactly, yeah, and I've seen that. You know, when I was at my previous companies, you know, your typical regional partner was maybe about, I don't know, anywhere from 10 to $20 million of revenue. So not that big, right? So they would not have resources to be able to do that. And so we would have to help them. And I expect to do the same thing here also. And how we use our, our budget is, is, is that something that we're going to look at is, you know, how much do we spend with our regional partners? How much do we spend with our GSIs? By the way, from a partner program standpoint, I'm still looking at, do I need to accrue partner development funds, right? How much should I accrue? How should I use that effectively? This, by the way, this is handy to have my finance background because then I can sit across a finance team saying, this is why we need to do this. This is what we need to accrue. And by the way, we can accrue it as either contrary revenue or we can do it as OPEX, depending upon how we use it, right? And so just having that type of conversation provides some level of, I think, reassurance to 
our finance teams also that we're doing this right. So, but anyway, I digress. Uh, no, no, that's interesting. So I want to ask you two questions that are variations of what I sometimes ask when I'm hiring people. First, what's a partner campaign or program that you've done? And it, it doesn't have to be at ServiceMax. It could be at one of the earlier companies you're at. A campaign or program that you think was especially successful, that you're especially proud of? Yeah, so I, I certainly cannot take credit for this individually. You know, it's obviously a, a team effort. And like I said, I had um, a great partner, no pun intended, in partner marketing with me who worked with me at uh, my past company. But just to give you an example, we had a different customer journeys. So we identified four customer journeys in my last company. And we'll probably do something similar here. So at ServiceMax, you know, we're really going to be focused on verticals. So that's one of the strategies that has come out of our executive leadership team and the board meetings over the last few weeks is to say, you know, let's not dilute our efforts. Let's make sure that we strengthen our efforts by really focusing on a three or four vertical industries that we're really strong in and where our platform, our products and solutions really resonate within that industry. So uh, what does that mean? Well, it's uh, you know, medical devices, um, it's oil and gas, it's uh, industrial manufacturing, it could be utilities, uh, aviation, right? Uh, so it's going to be you know, three to four uh, types of uh, vertical industries that, that um, uh, are going to be very important for us. And so my thinking is that any type of campaign that we're going to put together should center around those verticals and the story behind each vertical, right? Uh, and to make sure that it resonates loud and clear with those customers sitting within that vertical industry, how we differentiate ourselves um, and the value that we offer from a business outcome standpoint, right? And that's a very important thing that, that we focus on is business outcomes. Uh, as you know, uh, over the years, partners in the past, you know, would transact, right? And that's the reseller model a little bit more, is they would transact. But in this day and age where we have digital transformation occurring all around us, all of our customers are going through that digital transformation. What, what they care most about is that business outcome. Are you going to increase my revenue? Are you going to increase my uptime? Are you going to drive down my costs, right? Uh, are you going to increase my customer SAT scores with my customers, right? So it's those business outcomes and decision makers more and more and more are line of business people. They're the ones who are driving the budget and driving the decisions. So long answer to your question, from a campaign standpoint, I think you know, what we'll be probably pulling together is, is campaigns around specific industries. And I, I started out by talking about my previous company. We did the same thing there also at Informatica where we have customer journeys, as we call them, uh, around data integration, around master data management, around uh, data security, whatever. And so we did have partner campaigns with collateral, with a third party type of company who helped us uh, work with that partner and go after targeted customers with that story and be able to get that interest from them and get leads from them and bring them in and make them either uh, a new customer for us or maybe an existing customer who hadn't thought about it for us uh, to be able to resurrect their interest in us. So it's those kinds of things that I think we'll do more of here at ServiceMax as we go forward also, is, is really working on those customer 
consumer stories and that is, in this case, vertical industries to make sure we're focused and aligned on how we go to market. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like very valuable marketing work. So then the flip side of that question, what was a partner program or campaign that you worked on that wasn't successful? And why do you think that was? I think, you know, not to um, be too critical, but uh, we, we had one, one comes to mind right away. Uh, I've had campaigns, I'll call, yeah, I'll call them campaigns that we used with a distributor. It was much focused on, I don't know, uh, spray, just spraying out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was not focused. It was much more of type of a reach kind of campaign, but it, it, what it did was it diluted the messaging. I would say diluted the effort. It wasn't successful in reaching out or even hitting the right targets. So it became very diluted and the distributor did it obviously with good intention. Uh, but the methodology and the practice that was used in just taking it and saying, Oh, Let's just go off and go after these 200 partners and take it to them and, you know, take it through them. We got very little return on that, right? Because it wasn't done in a very deliberate, purposeful manner once we handed it off to them. And so that's, you know, that's an example. <laughs> we don't want to do that. We want to be very deliberate. We want to be very purposeful. We want to make sure that it's the, the campaign is structured in a meaningful manner. It resonates with people. It resonates with partners. It, it actually has those customer stories properly and it hits the right person, right? Um, so I don't mind even doing it very slowly, frankly. We have the luxury of doing that. We're not a, a billion dollar, $5 billion company, right? So we're a much smaller company. So we can do these things in a much more deliberate, purposeful manner. And that's what I'm hoping to do uh, with my marketing, partner marketing team and uh, other stakeholders within the company. Okay. So what should I have asked you about today that I didn't? What, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? I think there's probably three things that are, you know, I was like number three, right? So maybe I'll try to give you three things that are top of mind as I kind of go through any typical day, right? One is understanding and aligning with the company's go-to-market, right? Uh, I've been in, you know, like you mentioned earlier in the beginning of the podcast, you know, in a few different companies. And at times I've seen how a partner organization can distance itself from the company's go-to-market and specifically even the company's sales go-to-market and route-to-market approach. And so that's, so, that's something top of mind for me always is what is our sales go-to-market, right? Is it enterprise versus mid-market? Is it vertical industries? Uh, is it a combination of those? And so I, as sort of the, the partner leader here, need to make sure that I'm very, very aligned with that and, and uh, just lock and step with my colleagues on the direct side and, and others within the company. So that's one thing. The second thing is I always, always care about are we winning the hearts and minds of our partners, right? And like I said, I always bring that up. And it's, a, it's an easy thing to say. People understand it. After, after they think about it for a bit and, and it becomes, you know, it resonates with partners. So when I say, I want to win the hearts and minds of your organization, how do I do that, right? What drives you? What's your DNA? What's your culture? How best do we approach that, right? They love it, right? They know that you're caring about them. And so I always, you know, talk to my organization about that. How do we do this properly? And so um, that's probably 
the second thing I uh, always think about is, are we doing the right things to win the hearts and minds of our partners? Are we moving quickly, uh, fast enough, right? And that's probably my third thing is, um, you know, my, my current manager, I use something that he, he talks to me about and he's mentioned to me is that, you know, time is not our friend, speed is our currency, right? And so that's something I've adopted also with my team is that we gotta be nimble, we gotta be agile. Being 70% correct is fine. As long as we're directionally sound, let's go, right? So let's not be afraid to try out things and move at speed, all right? But always with that hearts and minds of our partners in mind, right? So those are probably three things that um, I always think about uh, every day and um, make sure that um, we're, we're moving with that deliberate, purposeful manner on all three things together. Yeah, those are three great things. Uh, the last one reminds me of a client I had at IBM who used to say the good program that launches is better than the perfect program that doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. A lot of times we get paralyzed, right? Um, yeah. In, in uncertainty or fear. And uh, and uh, it's funny, you, you know, we, we talked about my finance background and, and that really helps me kind of take away that uncertainty and fear. And I can sit down and go through a lot of analysis and modeling and things like that and take away some of that. So, we know, boom, here we are. We got to go. Let's go. We're directionally sound. Uh, let's just do this. So, Okay, great. So, Balaji, uh, this was terrific. How can people contact you if they want to learn more about ServiceMax and your partner program? Yeah, they can just you know, contact me uh, at, at Balaji at servicemax.com. So B-A-L-A-J-I at servicemax.com. Easy way to get hold of me. I'm pretty good about uh, reading emails and staying on top of emails. So feel free to do that. I rely, rely by the way, upon a number of other channel partner leaders uh, here in the Bay Area where I live to share ideas and get you know, best practices. In fact, I think a week from today, in fact, I'm meeting with another partner leader here for another company, and uh, he's talked to me about how he measures customer adoption KPIs, right? Or what KPIs he uses uh, with partners around customer adoption. So I said, man, that'd be great to learn from you. So I'm sitting down with him and sharing some war stories and uh, learning from him. So I would love to learn from all of you out there and share any, any best practices from my side also very collaborative, hopefully, as you can hear them, friendly guy. I love to talk to people and work with people. So feel free to contact me, Balaji at servicemax.com. Okay. And are you very active on LinkedIn or other social media networks or is email? Yeah, email's fine, but LinkedIn uh, is great. You'll probably, if you're LinkedIn to me at any point in time, I probably, uh, you know, post something about once a week or so, right? So not every day, but probably about once a week or so. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, terrific. Well, we'll post those in the show notes on revenueassociates.biz when the episode is live. So thank you for joining us today, Abology. As I do with all guests, I'll be sending you a copy of my Bullseye Marketing book in appreciation. It was recently named one of the best marketing plan books of all time. Oh, wow. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. It's a privilege to get that from you. Appreciate that, Lewis, and having you having me on on your show. It's great. And uh, thank you for listening to the Software Channel podcast. And please subscribe and listen to future episodes.